Hey everybody, happy Friday. This is Imani St. James from the St. James Podcast. Yes, don't forget to connect with me on Facebook, St. James Project, or you can also find me on Twitter, St. James underscore project. No, I don't do Instagram, Snapchat, and all those other social sites. Hey, I'm just, you know, a small team here. And uh, maybe one day, okay? But anyhow, how y'all doing? I hope y'all having fun. You had a great week. Hit me up. Let me know what you've been doing, what you want to hear, what you want to talk about, what you want, to, what you don't want to talk about. And have you been checking out my page, my Facebook page lately? I've been keeping you guys. <laughs> uh oh. Okay, I'm stumbling here. I've had a little rough week. I am still dealing with either the flu or flu-like symptoms. So. Forgive me if I'm sounding a bit off, you know, just didn't go to the doctor, didn't see the reason to, or took care of it at home. So I'm almost like maybe 90% back to health. Anyhow, on today's show, I am going to replay an interview I did with John Jones III from the city of Oakland out of California. Now, John Jones is one of the most... Uh, he's prolific, he's he's very vocal about his beliefs, and um, he's, he's a voice for the underdog. And that's because he, he, um, he spent time behind bars, so he has a different perspective on things. And they're going to be talking about gentrification. This is part two uh, of the interview that was done uh, last week, the playback with Petty Officer... Uh, Michael Wright, Chief Petty Officer Michael Wright. He spoke on gentrification part one, but that was from outside the jail walls. Now we're going to be speaking with John Jones, who spent time behind the jail walls. And John Jones is deep. He gets really, really deep. Now, these are both prominent African-American men. They're doing things in their own community, but just they've been on Two total sides of the fence. You know, one has been in prison, incarcerated, and one hasn't been. So they have two different perspectives on why things are still happening. And, you know, and they give their, their, their honest opinion on it. And in all fairness, you know, the problem has only gotten worse in the city of Oakland. It has not gotten better. So hopefully that something will kick in. There'll be a change, but you know, I wanted to replay the interview for this week because it was just important to get the message out there that this is still, gentrification is still happening. It has not gone anywhere. Yes, they are working on it. They're trying to find solutions, but you know what? It's not going to really help until everybody come to the table and offer some viable solutions. Okay. Don't forget to follow me. And anything else you want to know, just drop me a line. Don't forget to visit my uh, my uh, website, thesaintjamesproject.com. And without further ado, let's get into the interview. Hey. I'd like you to kind of tell the listeners, first of all, give them a little introduction as to who you are, and then we'll talk about your position. And we'll talk about a few other things as well. So kind of just tell us, um, give us a little bit about your background. Okay, exactly. Uh, once again, my name is John Jones III. I'm born and raised in East Oakland. I'm a father of three, and I'm also formerly incarcerated. 
after spending a third of my life behind bars, I decided to make a decision to give back to my community and to create opportunities for people who were in similar circumstances such as myself. Oh, great. Okay, so see, I like that already. So explain a little bit about your organization because um, I've never heard of it and I, I see you on TV, I read about you in the newspaper, so we cannot deny that you are making your, you're putting your name out there in a positive way. Oh uh, yes, what's great about Oakland Community Organizations, or OCO for short, is I've uh, been around for four decades, and basically it's a federation of faith-based institutions, local synagogue, mosques, churches, and local organizing committees. Uh, it's about empowering, representing 50,000 families in Oakland, and giving impacted people a voice around issues such as criminal justice reform, education, and immigration reform. Okay, so tell me this, what, um Give me your perspective on gentrification, because for somebody like me who has not dealt with the criminal justice system, I've never been in jail, I've just always been on the outside looking in, we tend to make judgments about things we know nothing about or we have little knowledge of. So give me your perspective on how you view this, because this is a really serious issue. I'm hearing about it more and more every day, and I, you're on the outside, you're on the inside looking out. So you know firsthand what's going on. Why don't you tell me your thoughts and perspective on this? Okay, exactly. Uh, I start with, first of all, I don't refer to it as gentrification because uh -huh. that word counter up positive, happy thoughts, right? Okay. Like, what's wrong with the community being improved and people spending money in the community? The problem is displacement. The problem is uh, we have systemic and equitable policies and programs that basically created ghettos. So when people of color were marginalized, when they're shut out of the economic process that's happening here in the Bay Area, uh, largely the, the high-tech sector, high-paying sector is, is where the jobs are at, but our people don't have access to that. So now they find themselves being pushed out of Oakland. Now my concern, and the larger concern, should be more than simply where people are being pushed out, but where they're being pushed out to. People are being pushed out to Pittsburgh, Antioch, Tracy, Stockton, Modesto, places that don't have great paying jobs. So basically we're recreating more ghettos, similar to what happened in East Oakland during the 1980s. You know what, okay, so, that, okay, now it's, that's a little bit better. So I, I, now I understand it from that because I'm only looking at it as other people who say, well, you know what, I do see improvements in the city of Oakland as far as the new money coming in Oakland. Also, I have seen massive changes, but I want, I, I kind of want to ask a challenging question that I have seen the new money, the new community in Oakland have done things that maybe that were not taken care of for years, as such as some places where there was just massive amount of drug dealers, bad behavior, all of a sudden it's gone. I mean, how do you counteract that argument? Because, you know, just in less than a year's time, there's a certain area of Oakland on San Pablo where they have shut that kind of behavior down, totally. How do you justify those ends? How do you justify that? Well, the problem is, um the law as well as policies are not created equally. Uh, when you see certain areas of Oakland improving, really it's improving for the new people coming in. Uh, we got this saying in, in um, community, among community organizers that uh, we feel manipulated. We felt like we were used to clean up Oakland to make it a more desirable place for the people who moved out decades ago. Okay. Because just three short years ago, nobody wanted to live in Oakland. You know, and you're, you are exactly right. It had a bad, it was like a bad, oh, Oakland? No, no, no way. Now, all of a sudden, this is the hottest city outside of San Francisco. Everybody wants to be in Oakland. 
So, I mean, okay, that makes a lot of sense, but still, you know, I'm kind of like the person that's saying, okay, Oakland was once dubbed the Chocolate City. How do you allow somebody to come in and take everything that you own? See, my argument is that you don't own nothing, you have your name on nothing, you really don't have nothing to say. <laughs> That's kind of like where I'm going, you know? So it's hard for me to just take the people that keep crying the most seriously. It's like, what are you doing for your community? How, I mean, how do you, tell me, how, how do you feel about that? Uh, I think you hit upon the key issue. It's the economic issue, or it's about who controls the manufacturing and distribution of goods within a society. Okay. Uh, so we had a dynamic where in the 50s, in the 60s, white people moved out. There was white flight. Now, as crack hit Oakland in the 80s, the African-American people who had money left. The people who got left behind were those who didn't have money. So it's kind of hard for people who didn't have money to be able to lift themselves up. And a void was created, and this void was filled by people like uh, Asian people and now Arab people. They yeah. came in and they buy up the stores. And there was a report I read that was very interesting. It talks about how long, on average, a dollar remains within different communities. In the white communities, a dollar remained there for 27 days. In the Asian community, 19 days. Okay. In the Latino community, it was nine days. But the, the average amount of time the dollar remains in the African-American community is six hours. So when we don't own anything, it's kind of hard to have anything. Right. Okay, so here's the thing. And before I wrap it up, okay, now you're right about that. But don't you think we bear some responsibility in terms of if we got together and got on one accord and start saying, I was over at a certain building in Oakland that used to be a really nice place. Now the building is run down. I'm kind of thinking, before we can worry about somebody else's house, we need to take care of our house. See, we need people like you because you are a bridge between the haves and the have-nots. But we have got to start putting money back in our community. And when you talk finances, uh, nobody wants to invest, but everybody wants to complain and play drums. Drums is not what's needed. We need money. I mean, what, what, do, you, what do you think about that? Absolutely. Agree. In terms of empowerment, I do believe that we have to make better decisions and we have to educate ourselves more. Yes. Uh, I think the missing piece is, and I can tie that with this, if we look at the Homestead Act, for 200 years the U.S. government gave land, a free land, That's right. to poor white so, men yeah, from Europeans yeah. and they even subsidized their farm equipment. Yeah. And they did that for 200 years. They didn't allow that for other people. So right. now we have a dynamic where folks can't afford rent and the same U.S. government is saying there's nothing we can do about it. So we have to also understand that there is an institutionalized racist component to it. Okay. And at the end of the day, I believe this, you don't know what you don't know. So yes. if you're coming from generations of right. ignorance, if you're not coming from a family that's educated, then you in turn won't see that. So your mind won't think in terms of that unless you're uh, subjected to that from an outside force. So when we look at Oakland, the improvements, it happens in pockets, but there are large segments, large areas of East Oakland that's just predominantly undereducated. Okay. Underemployed. Yeah. So those folks are not in a, in a position to pass anything on to their children because they themselves don't have that knowledge. Okay. So, and you know, that you're right. So, you know, I didn't think of, it's like the ramification 
of slavery. We receive from the negative end. They receive, you know, and we're talking about Europeans from the positive end, meaning they got everything and all we got was post-traumatic slave syndrome. Okay, so the last thing I want to talk about um, before we you know, conclude this interview is that Come and tell us, because you went from being into jail to now you roll with politicians. I see you out there on the front at meetings with, I think I saw you with Barbara Lee. Um, her name was Rebecca something. Kaplan. I, yes, Rebecca Kaplan. So tell us how you've made the transition because those who have been incarcerated, I don't want to just say black men, but men of color, need to know that you can go from the jailhouse to the big house. Because at some point, I go, I see you being at the big house. What advice do you have to give to them? Uh, the biggest message is faith. I think people have to believe that circumstances can improve. Mm -hmm. I think when people don't believe that, that leads to uh, poor mental health, which in turn leads to yes. substance abuse, yes. suicide, uh, things Pet of that nature. Fitness and health. Exactly. So for me, like just this morning, I was invited by Assembly Member Rob Bonta to serve on a panel discussing criminal justice reform issues. And it's so humbling for me to be able to share my story. And I okay. think that's the key. When we humanize these issues, yes. we don't treat it as abstract, theoretical stuff, but look at it as the impact it has on human beings. Because when the person's incarcerated, it ain't just them. It's the family. It's exactly. the kids who don't have a father. It's the mother who had to raise the kids by herself. So really, it impacts our entire community and not just the person behind bars. Okay, so the last, the very last question is, where do you see yourself, let's, let's just say in five years? That's an excellent question. And one that uh, one of my teachers always taught me, you should always have a five-year plan. Um, I see myself still being in the work, okay. but, but uh, operating at a higher level, if okay. that makes sense. Yeah, no, um, exactly. That, I get you know, it. The political arena, I mean, there's people who reach out to me right now asking me to run for office. But honestly, I see myself with the people. I see myself running my own organization because I recognize, above all, people need a healing circle, specifically African Americans. Because you mentioned post slave, you know, PTSD, right? Post traumatic slave disorder. Right. When African Americans were set free, there was never no therapy available to yes. help us heal from centuries right. of abuse. And even post slavery, it, it wasn't just during slavery. I mean, right. we were hung from trees and, and black. Like been being raped. Right. So we need a space where we can first of all heal and come together. Exactly. Then we can address the larger issues of violence and crime that plague our community. Okay. Thank you for tuning in to today's show. That's all the time we have. If you want to find out more about John, you can connect with him at John A. Jones III on Twitter, or you can reach out to me at the St. James Project on Twitter as well.